All right, you may be seated. I thank you guys for leading us in worship. I like that song, O Lamb of God. Um, that's really good. Thank you guys again. It's nice to be able to sing hymns and just be able to kind of focus and worship in that way. And um, like the old rugged cross, I grew up singing those songs as a child, and those songs will never leave me. Um, and definitely, I know they're not going to forsake me, because in the hardest of times, those are the songs that come back to me, uh, even as an adult, uh, plenty of years later, and remembering the hymns and what God speaks to us through them. So tonight, as we just have a few moments and a few minutes, I want to share with you just what it must have been like for the disciples at this very time. If you think about it, last week we kind of shared the Sunday, it was Palm Sunday, and they really expected the Christ to come and that He was going to sit on the throne and He was going to rule from Jerusalem. And of course it kind of fit the narrative of the the, uh, Messianic covenant coming, uh, of the Messiah coming, and He was um, going to come and rule and reign. It had said this throughout all the Old Testament. It was pointing to this one that was going to come and he was going to rule and the government was going to rest on his shoulders, right? He was going to be the Prince of Peace, the Mighty Counselor, the Everlasting Father. All these things, was this Jesus was coming, the Messiah was coming, and then all of a sudden their whole life was destroyed. But as we see in the, in the um, Holy Week, we have Sunday, right? Palm Sunday. And then the very next day, Jesus begins and one day has a discourse. And if we read in the Gospels, he says all this stuff about a fig tree and all these things about the end times. It's just right there. And he taught this in one day. And if I can just imagine it as a student of Christ and as him being my master and rabbi, I'm sure a lot of this just went over their heads, and they didn't understand exactly what he was saying. And I think we see it from the narrative when we come to Sunday, resurrection, is that they had a hard time believing, even though Christ said that I was going to be given, he said, I, was go- I am going to be given into the hands of sinful men. I will be crucified, but I will, ra- be ro- I will rise on the third day. He said this over and over to them, but yet, could you imagine what it was like to all of a sudden to see the Savior, like Dave said earlier, He took the crown of thorns on Himself, but I'm going to be wearing a golden crown. And I'm going to lay that crown down before Him at His feet, but He took upon Himself a crown that was a lot more severe than what was deserved of God. And as he came and he, and he uh, came and gave his life over and became obedient to even the point of death, right? He took on himself flesh. He didn't have to for us. He was just fine sitting on the throne ruling and reigning as he was, but he chose to come as a man. And the awesome part about the gospel that we know is that even though he came as man, he was sinless. And I'm sure you've heard it and you've gotten into those arguments with people. No, Jesus probably sinned. No, Jesus did not sin. And the proof is in the pudding, as we would say. The proof is going to be at the resurrection when he rises from the dead. That is the proof that he is a sinless Savior. 
And so we know the sacrifices that would come and they would take a spotless lamb, one that they had grown and, and kept part of the household for the sin offering and the sin of ignorance, all these things that God required once a year, He was going to become that spotless lamb. And think about it so that you and I could be spotless. And blameless and above reproach according to Scripture. And when I think about that, that really doesn't always sit well. But when we see the cross, and we look at life through the eyes of the cross, and through the lens that we see, and we know that our Savior died, it makes all the difference in the world. And so we have Christ that He was come, and He walked with His disciples for three years, three strong years, and taught them everything. And he said, listen guys, no longer do you call me master, but I'm friend because, uh, because look, I'm giving you everything that I know. And yet they couldn't comprehend it. They couldn't. And it says that over and over. It's like they just didn't understand. So when they saw Christ being beaten, when he took the stripes on his back, They didn't understand. And when he took the crown on his head, they didn't understand. They're like, what is this? This was going to be the Messiah. They didn't understand, but they should have known. Because I am sure that Christ did not hold this back from them. He made everything plain to them. And did they not know Genesis 2, 17? This says, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day you eat from it, you will surely die. Did they not know these scriptures? Did they not realize that this was our reality? That all of us stand under the wrath of God and that the curse of man was upon us not because it was God's delight, but it was because of our original parents who had sinned. And so you think about it just for a moment. It it doesn't matter what race you are, what color of skin you are. We all have the same parents and we come from the same root of Adam and Eve and their disobedience to God. And it doesn't take us long to realize how disobedient we are. And it starts at an early age. But here's what I think we forget oftentimes is in Romans 6.23... For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. And you see what fools us so often and fools the world is, look, I'm sinning, but nothing is happening to me. Did you realize when life is over, that is part of the death, the curse of sin that has taken place because of our original parents and where life came from, Adam and Eve. And so just imagine it for a moment as Christ was there taking upon Himself the very thing that we see in Scriptures hundreds of years before it ever took place. It was prophesied that this Messiah would suffer. But they didn't get it. And so what do we do today? We're on this side of the the equation, aren't we? So we come tonight on Good Friday and we're on this side of the equation saying, the Lord, we know what He did. He suffered. He died. And He gave His life on the cross for us. And see, we don't want to think about this very often, but the wrath of God is real. 
And the judgment of God is real. It's not something that we thought of and it's fanciful. It's something that we have to contemplate and realize that it is real. And if we don't, we miss out on the cross, don't we? If we don't think about it, we're missing out that one had taken our sins and our pain and all the wrath of God that was on Him, a a penal sin. It was done by Christ. And so what we'll do tonight is we'll go to Isaiah 53 together. And I promise you that I'm in a better place than I was on Sunday. (laughs) And I will say this real quick. Because it's family, I would do this on Sunday. Um, but I will say I listened to my sermon again and I realized there was some frustration there. And I would like to ask your forgiveness for being frustrated. And I know it's kind of like one of those apologies you give and the people are saying, well, you really didn't offend me. So if, if it went over your head, amen. Because I did get some good emails. They said, thank you so much. I did. I, I was surprised, but I got two. But I was frustrated, and I apologize. I was walking in the flesh, and I'm sorry, okay? Would you forgive me? Thank you. And I have to walk in forgiveness, which is all about the cross, right? And I have to remember that, yeah, Lord, I did, I maybe spoke harshly, but I thank you for the cross, and that I need to love better. So, in light of that, so thank you for your mercy for me. All right, so we'll go to uh, Isaiah 53, verse 1 through 3. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot. And Isaiah often said this at the beginning of his book, and if you look at it in Isaiah 11, we won't go there, but it was a shoot out of the root of Jesse that would come the Messiah. And so we see him as a root, a shoot coming. And it said it grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and like one from whom men hid their face. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Think about it just for a moment. Is that if we were there in that day, we would probably not be looking on Christ in a highly favorable manner. Remember your days before Christ? You just walked and you did whatever you wanted and you just lived your life. You didn't care. You didn't give praise to Jesus. You did not esteem Him. And it is no different from what Isaiah is speaking here. And why would we look on someone who is going to die a painful death if he was going to be king? If you ask me, that would in the human, in the flesh point, that is a weak king. But yet he was God, come in flesh, and he had all power at his disposal. But we know through Scripture that he laid all that to the side so that he could take on our flesh and our humanness in order to know what we go through according to Hebrew 4 and 16 through 18. But yet he did not sin at all. That is good news for us tonight. 
So we see that. And then it goes on uh, in verse 4. Surely our griefs He Himself bore. And our sorrows He carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed Him stricken. Smitten of God and afflicted. Nobody wants to talk about God um, doing this. Smitting and afflicting. Nobody wants to talk about this. But Jesus took it upon Himself. But He was pierced through for our transgression. And do you remember the Roman soldier? When Jesus was on the cross, remember it was Passover, they were, they were preparing, so they said, let's take their bodies down. And as I was sharing this with the youth, they broke the, the legs of the two thieves that were on the cross, but when they came to Jesus, He was already dead, and they had to say, well, let's make sure He's dead. They put the uh, sword right through His side, and the cool part about it is blood and water came out, which is a broken heart. Science has proven that when a heart bursts, it does water and blood. But it was already prophesied. And then what happened when the soldier saw it? He said, surely this is the Son of God. You began to see a witness to the nations right there. And, and uh, John talks about it. This guy was an eyewitness to it. So we know it was a fact that he was pierced and he was crushed for our iniquities. And for the people that don't know what iniquities, iniquities are, for us younger among us, it is the sin. He was crushed for our sins. And the chastening for our well-being fell upon Him. And by His scourging we are healed. We all know the Scripture, right? That by His stripes I am healed. And in context of what Isaiah is saying, that He was going to be the salvation for the nations. And that is the context of the Scripture. That you and I, because Jesus took upon Himself those whips and lashes, we were going to be healed. We were going to receive salvation. And then, but it says this, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord caused the iniquity, the sin of us all to fall on him. So as he's dying and hanging on the cross, I can't say this enough, all pressure was on Jesus at this moment. And if you don't think sin bothers God, why do you think Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was because of sin. It was because of our sin that the Father had to turn His back. But Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. And oh, how we need to be remembered on a constant basis that I am free and forgiven even though I constantly make mistakes. But it goes on to say He was oppressed and He was afflicted. Yet He did not open His mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter. Like a sheep that is silent before its shears. So he did not open his mouth. And remember they mocked him and said, Oh, if he can do this, why doesn't he call to God to save him? 
He had the legions at his disposal. The angels, myriads upon myriads could have been at his disposal. But he chose not to open his mouth because he knew what was coming. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And it's for his generation who considered that he was cut off, cut out off, or let me read, that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. Think about this just for a moment. Remember the wrath of God? We seeing the wrath of God was satisfied on Christ Jesus. You see, us without Christ, if we are without Christ, Our due is the wrath of God. But yet He took it upon Himself that you and I didn't have to stand under God's wrath. Because the stroke was due to us. His grave was assigned with the wicked men. Yet He was with a rich man in His death. Isn't that interesting? That a rich man took him and put him in his tomb. Because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. This Jesus that hung on the cross for us, this Messiah, this Lord, this Savior, had done nothing to deserve what he was receiving on this day 2,000 some years ago. But the Lord was pleased. To crush him. Putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering. If he would. Then he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul. He will see it and be satisfied. Why will He be satisfied? It's because of you and I who have accepted Him as we celebrate Good Friday is that Jesus is satisfied because of what He accomplished on the behalf of man that they could be reconciled back to their Creator. By His knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many as He will bear their iniquities. So think about it as you come in here tonight. You didn't know what you were getting yourself into. But you may have came uh, came in here with being heavy and struggling with just your own self-doubt, Or whatever is going on in your life, thinking, am I good enough? Have I done enough? Is the Lord really going to accept me? But He, through His blood, through the cross, justifies you. And here's the deal, that word justify, I realize it. We don't really know what it means, and I've heard people complain about the word. But all it means in its simplest form is that we were made right with Christ. Because He bore our iniquities. Therefore, it says, Therefore I will lot Him a portion with the great. 
And he will divide the booty with the strong because he poured out himself to death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. Did you realize that Christ is still interceding for you and I? So on my worst day, because of what Christ has done for me, I know that I can stand strong. I asked them to do that, so no confusion. We'll be able to look at the cross. I am able to stand strong because I know that the God of all creation, the one who gave his life for such a worm as I, as the hymn says, that I can stand before God holy, righteous, and blameless. Do you believe that? That is the gospel. That is the good news, and it's only part of the good news. Sunday, we're going to complete the good news. And I'll just give you a real quick snippet and invite all your family, all your friends. I promise you it's going to be good. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, it would have proven that he was false and that his sacrifice was not good enough. But because of His resurrection, that says the cross was good enough. And so as He stood there as a a completed whole body, He is going to be the only one that has the marks on His wrists, palms, wherever you want to say, but probably the wrist, and on His feet. He is in the scar on His side. He's going to be the only one with scars. But then I read a commentary that just really thrilled my heart, is that Jesus no longer can be defeated. He stands there powerful no longer. He's like the superhero of all superheroes. Beyond that, (laughs) that is awesome. Nothing can touch my Savior anymore. And when I get to heaven, nothing. And when I change this old body, nothing is going to be able to touch me anymore. The old for the new. I'm able to taste it just a little bit right now. But there will be a day that, man, this old body is gone. And this new body is here to stay. So let's answer the question before we end tonight. Why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus have to die? And you have to be willing to tell others that they too, if they haven't accepted Christ, that they are under the wrath of God. We can do this. We can tell others that God has come to save them. Whether whether they accept it or not, that's not my job. But Jesus had to die, and here's what 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22-25 through 25 says, He did not commit sin, and no deceit, no deceit was found in His mouth. When He was insulted, He did not insult in return. 
When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. How hard is that for you and I to do? Is that we want to defend ourselves, don't we? But the one who didn't need defend, he didn't need defended because he had no sin, didn't make it a big deal. Instead, he trusted in the Father who had sent him to do his will. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. Jesus had to die on a tree so that you and I could live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For, we are, were, for you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And so this morning, or this evening, morning's normal for us, right? We celebrate the goodness of God. We celebrate, although this was a tragic Tragic thing that happened. But it's the hope. It's the hope that can never be shaken. Nobody can take my Jesus and the cross away from me. And because of the resurrection, He bids me to come and die. And to take up my cross and follow Him. So this, more, this evening, if you guys could come, we'll do some music. So normally, just the dramatic type of guy I am, I like to make things heavy and feel the emotions of what it must have been to the disciples, for the disciples. And I won't do that to us tonight because it, it, this is a good Friday. But I would encourage you to read through the gospel story. Take some time and just hear and let the gospel speak to you about the death and the resurrection of our Savior. Because I guarantee the the disciples were distraught. But listen, there's a resurrection coming. There's a resurrection coming. Each one of us will live forever and eternity. And Jesus is our eternity. To know God is to have eternal life. So tonight as we do this, we'll do it in kind of an order where we'll come uh, just like we normally do. But what I would have you do is just dip your bread in the cup, eat it right away, and then we'll just we'll be dismissed. You can hang around, you're welcome to, or you can just you can leave, it's up to you. And they're going to play in the background uh, the Wondrous Cross, which is a fabulous song. But it, let's, let's, let's reflect on what Christ has done for us. So what we'll do is you play, we'll just take a few moments. I won't put a time on it. And let's just reflect for that moment. And then as you're ready, we'll come and we'll partake. And remember that the bread represents the body that was broken for you. And that the the grape juice represents the blood that was shed for you on the cross. 
And because of that blood, we are spotless before the Father. And thank you, Jesus, for that. So, Lord, we just celebrate the cross today. Lord, it was an emblem of suffering and shame for the world. And and he was put into the hands of sinful man. In Christ, we realize that you didn't deserve this, but you did it for us. And we just want to celebrate that tonight. And so, Lord, as we just take the moment to ponder, we look to you and you alone as our righteousness tonight. Thank you for dying for our sins, Lord, that we could be whole. In Jesus' name. Thank you for being here tonight. I do want to just encourage you to read through the through the part of the gospel. And then as we come and celebrate Sunday morning, come expecting vibrant worship and a time of celebration and who our Lord is and that He is risen from the dead. No longer is He in the grave, which gives us the most hope. That we're not like the world, that we have a hope. We have a hope. We have a hope. So go in the name of Christ and enjoy your evening.